Hello and welcome to Off That Shelf Reviews. I can't believe you messed this one up again. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Halloween Ends, which released in 2022. From writers Paul Brad Logan, Chris Bernier, Danny McBride, David Gordon Green, and directed by David Gordon Green. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, I'll try. I'm not entirely sure who's the main character in this movie. The story follows four years after Halloween kills. Michael Myers has somehow disappeared from the streets of Haddonfield and Laurie and Alison are still living in Haddonfield trying to do something with their lives. While they are there, they come across Corey Cunningham, played by Rohan Campbell, who a year after Michael disappeared was involved in a bit of an accident at a person's home and has been tormented by the town of Haddonfield all this time. As Corey and Alison start to build up a budding romantic relationship in a horror movie, Corey happens to meet the one person who's attempting to kill everybody in Haddonfield. But is Corey evil? Is Michael evil? Is Laurie evil? Is Alison evil? What is evil? I don't know, I don't know, I'm good. Well, it seems like the filmmakers were faced with an impossible dilemma at this point. You know, they're 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 making the third movie in a new trilogy of of Halloween movies, and like, well, how well did the original Halloween three do, Ian? Not very well. Oh, it didn't do very well, did it? Oh, no, and no, no. Uh, and why was that? Uh, because people didn't like the fact that Michael Myers wasn't in it. Oh, so I know. Let's make a Halloween 3 with Michael Myers hardly in it. And yes. this time it'll work. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and you know that the filmmakers are very much aware that this is the third movie. And they're very much aware that 40 years ago, <laughs> Halloween 3 Season of the Witch came out. And this film tells you it knows that because instead of the normal font, we get the blue font. Yeah. Exactly yeah. like Halloween 3. So they, they know. They know. They know where they're coming from. Yeah. And uh, so did the audiences when they didn't turn up the following weekend when the film released. Is it dropped 80% in intake because word of mouth got out there (laughs) that this is not a Michael Myers slasher movie. This is a a, a half-baked romance story that ends where the other two movies kind of indicated where it was going. So it's almost like a bait and switch. Mm. And I can understand why audiences really, really did not gel with, with this film. Man, I saw your picture after you came out of the cinema. It was a look of confusion. Like, what was that? I I chose not to see this in the cinema. I had been hurt by Halloween Kills, and I didn't even see that in the cinema that I was like, nope, 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 I'm, nope, nope, I'm not putting any more money into this franchise. I will watch this movie uh, when I have the chance, when I get it on DVD, I will analyze it i will watch it for myself i won't listen to the people on the internet i won't take too much to heart from the wikipedia even though i've read it and almost threw my phone for a wall um but i was like nope give this chance you know you've been here before ian remember halloween three remember halloween four remember halloween five remember six seven eight rob zombies one and two like the they were all pretty shitty oh they? my god you know and and i'd like I've, I've got to say it now halloween one and two john carpenter's halloween one and two are so more superior than anything else that has come out even more so i will go on a limb and say the original halloween that david gordon green first released you know it's very good but i i much prefer 
John Carpenter's first two. That kind of has a lot more realism in it than all the other movies, including the Squeaky Shoes Cops. Um, but when I heard about Corey, I just, I wanted to stab myself. Why? Because somebody had decided that instead of keeping the camera focus on Laurie mm -hmm. and Michael and Alison, you know, and finishing off the story that we'd been following for three movies, you know, they opted to bring in a new character to try to make the audience question what is evil. Before you say anything, anybody coming to see a Halloween movie is not going to question evil. They want to watch Michael Myers kill some people and then get beaten at the end. Well, generally speaking, yeah, that's, you know, if you're making a Halloween movie, that's the formula. That's all you, that's your main ingredient. Yeah. At this point. But, uh, and that's what I thought we were getting <laughs> with the opening of the movie, because as a traditional horror movies go, you start with a kill. Okay. And so I love the cinematography here. It's the same guy that did the previous movies. I thought Halloween kills looked fantastic. Mm. Uh, my problems were with the writing. Mm -hmm. you know? mm. um, so I think this film, again, look, looks fantastic. I think it's a really good looking horror film. The lighting, the shadows, the camera movements. Um, it's not as good as Dean Cundy's, you know, no. with, with, yeah. from the original, but it emulates it fairly well. Yeah, I was going to say and, that he's trying to copy it as best as he can. Yeah, and so I think the, the director of photography did a fantastic job. I really do. Um, and so, yeah, this opening for like 10, 15 minute sequence in the house sets up Corey. He's the babysitter. We've got this kid who we, we get set up as, you know, he's a bit of a bedwetter. Doesn't, you know, he's afraid of the dark. So, you, you know, just make sure he goes to bed at a reasonable time. No TV, no sweets. Fine. But then uh, we find out that he's a little shithead, you know, and uh, they, they're trying to watch the, the John Carpenter's The Thing, which was like, okay, it's a... Uh, cool callback to the original movie where they're watching the original film which John Carpenter would then remake so it's like yeah that's cool but it's just weird that the John Carpenter's The Thing is now canon inside the Halloween universe well but, I mean in fairness I mean Halloween 1 is canon in Halloween 3 in Season of the Witch if but that's not a Michael Myers movie so is that even in the timeline Mate, don't, does don't, it don't would that really happen <laughs> And so, yeah, like, and then the kid goes missing. Something's been knocked over. The music kicks in, the suspense, uh, and it does this very well. As he's wandering around the house, the knife that we saw earlier has gone missing. The door is open. He's wandering up the stairs. He can hear noises, and then he's locked in a room. Oh, and it's the little kid just playing a joker on him again, because we saw him, the little kid, prank his mum earlier. And then... He screams at the kid, he loses his temper, he loses his mind, he kicks the door, the parents come home, and oh! Oh no! What was that? The kid has gone off the balcony and bounced off the floor. And it's funny. Now, it's funny because the kid is a little shithead. And so, mm, mm, and it's mm. also funny because the camera angle, like that is a comedy camera angle. Mm. Now the first shot when he falls, granted, that's horrific. But when he is at the forefront of the camera and bounces, bounces right up, up and almost hits the lens and falls back down again, that's comedy angles. Mm. So I'm like, I, I, it's it's one of those movies where almost everybody that dies in this film is kind of, you kind of, think they deserve it and i know kids dying in movies is bad bad don't don't like it right but when the kids are little shit <laughs> now i'm gonna counter all of that okay and talk about how shit 
this fucking opening was uh, simply because the makers of the movie are just trying to shoehorn in this character right at the start because obviously he's going to be the main character for most of this movie. So if we don't set him up now, we're, we've we've fucking lost him. Well, it, it sets in, him up to be a victim for Michael, bullshit. and that's when it bullshit. switches. Bullshit. I'm I'm sorry. It's fucking bullshit. Now I I understand what you're saying about the kid being a little shit uh, because obviously yeah, to, to 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 people who don't have children, uh, spending time with children can be uh, very traumatic for them because they have no control of them. They I have no idea what they're going to do. Corey is an established babysitter. That's what the movie establishes right at the start because the mum has called him and she's really happy that he's turned up because they use him a lot. They've used well, him as a babysitter many times. They've used him to cut their yard. So from what the movie is telling us, Corey is a well-established character in the town of Haddonfield who's gone around doing things. He's just a little bit old because he wants to go off to college, but he's still trying to make some money so that he can actually go to college. And he gets instructions from the mum to not let the kid eat any more candy and to not let him watch any more TV because she doesn't want him to have nightmares. Corey, in his complete fucking absurd stupidity, goes, I know, let's put on a completely inappropriate horror movie for a child and get him to sit there. And what did you actually expect? The kid to sit there and be respectful to you because you allowed him to watch this incredibly violent and fucking offensive movie? What are you, a fucking donut? No! Basically, the director of the movie went, oh, well, we need to kind of shoehorn in some kind of John Carpenter reference here so that the audience realise that they're watching a fucking Halloween movie and not just some fucking generic horror movie. So we'll put the thing in there because that's what Laurie was watching in the first one. Remember the thing from Another World, the black and white movie? Oh, that'll be our callback to John Carpenter. That'll be the way we pay respect to him. Frankly, frankly, it was absurd. It was absurd because I have babysat children, not only my own, but other people's. And you never do anything outside the responsibilities of taking care of that child. Now, when Corey decides to go to the kitchen and cut himself a piece of cake, he leaves the knife there. He hears a bit of a noise and he's walking around, Jeremy, Jeremy. Like you said, Jeremy's already been a little bit of a douchebag to, to Corey, but instead of Corey actually being a responsible adult and maybe attempting to call the mum who has left her number for Corey to call, if there's any problems, and Corey's already established he's not a, a, a stupid, reckless team because he looks at the beer in the fridge and goes, oh, I'm not going to drink this because I'm supposed to be responsible. I'll have some chocolate milk. But I won't actually pick up the phone and call anybody one year after Michael Myers has gone on a massive, huge killing spree. One year. 365 days. 365 days since Michael Myers killed a bunch of people in the goddamn town of Haddonfield and half the residents have ended up being massacred, leaving the trauma stain in front of the whole entire town. People are still going to parties and having fun and just leaving their children with a random person who we don't know if they trust them or if they don't trust them to the point that Jeremy starts running around being a little douche, yeah, making noises. But he makes it sound believable enough that Michael Myers is supposed to be getting them because obviously Michael Myers is still missing at this point so we need to set up the fear that michael myers could be anywhere around the corner he's not okay we know he's not because Corey has already been established as this douchebag part i hate that part where he turns and looks at the camera and goes well it's halloween oh, we're, we're gonna, gonna have, have some fun, fun. <laughs> that sounds like a threat it's halloween we're gonna have a good time tonight Turn it off. Stop it. 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 And he wanders up the stairs like the 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 the, the film 
language has already established this lobby. And I, I said this to Gary before we turned the camera on. I, I can forgive a horror movie for sticking something in front of me and going, it's going to turn up. I hate it when they make it so blatantly goddamn obvious. Like when the mum looks up and she goes, Jeremy, where are you in our giant huge mansion in the town of Haddonfield? Never seen a huge house like that ever. You never know where the fuck it is. It's just this massive house because they needed a fucking huge lobby. Jeremy's hiding upstairs screaming, Corey, come get me, Corey, come get me. And Corey comes walking all the way upstairs, still not calling anybody for help because there might still be a mass murdering psychopath walking around the town of Haddonfield. He just keeps walking upstairs. Oh, look, there's the knife. Why would Michael Myers drop the knife? Why? I like the fact that the little boy even says to Corey, you're the one who's going to die because you're the babysitter. Michael Myers doesn't kill kids. Uh, yes, he did. He killed a kid in the first, uh, in the last one. And he killed a kid in the first one with the dad. So you're wrong. But, but let's just, let's just ignore that part of script writing, right? Because I'm supposed to just switch my brain off and pretend I'm enjoying myself. Here I go. So he goes all the way up to the attic and he walks into the attic and it's so dark. He doesn't even think to check behind the door. You know, is the, the, the stairs literally just go to the attic? Is that the only room up there? He doesn't think to actually check any of the corners? No, no, he blatantly just walks right into a darkened attic where there might be a psychopathic murderer in there and Jeremy slams the door, locks him, locks him in there, laughs him, mocks him. And I understand that for the audience, they'll go, oh, that kid's a little shit. I hope he dies because, as I already said, you're going to a Halloween horror movie. You want to see people die. So every time somebody turns up and is a little bit douchey, you're like, I want to see him dead. And so the kid stands outside the door, mocking fucking Corey. And Corey, like I said, stupid doesn't think to actually just wait he'd already established with some script writing downstairs that the parents want to be five minutes away they've already said they're going to be back by nine o'clock so i would have been looking at my watch going i'm just going to wait here because you're in so much trouble jeremy for locking an adult in the attic no no not cory <laughs> not cory cory decides because i like he's not got uh, fear of cl enclosed spaces or the dark or anything. The I don't know. No, the movie doesn't establish, establish that, but he acts like he does because he just starts kicking the door, kicking the door from the inside. The mum and dad come back in their car. They walk in. They're like, where's Jeremy? Where's Corey? What's that noise? And Corey just happens to kick the door open into the kid's face. No warning. Like I said, he's the person you've left responsible for your child. He doesn't actually say, um, Jeremy, you might want to move out of the way because I'm going to boot this door open and I'm going to stomp a mud hole in you and walk it dry. No, he kicks the door open. It hits Jeremy in the face. He goes over the balcony. The mum looks at the camera and goes, what's that noise? And he hits the floor and bounces. And she's like, oh my God, you killed my son. Cue titles. John Carpenter theme kicks in in overdrive as it's been dialed up to 11 and we get these transforming pumpkins. It's like, oh, Halloween season's definitely begun now. Sometimes I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? <laughs> and then we get Laurie recounting what's happened over the last few years as she uh, goes from this gun-toting vigilante who spent her entire life 
home improving, building traps ready for Michael, even though he's been incarcerated in a maximum security asylum this whole time. Mm -hmm. But now that he's on the loose, yep. I'm putting all my guns away, putting all my traps away. I'm because she knew he home. was going to escape in the first one. She, she knew he was going to be coming for her, but we already established but he wasn't like, actually going for her. It just feels so reversed. It feels like it's the wrong way around. Yeah. Like you'd think that she'd, after 40 years, yeah. 40 years, 40 years, 44 years, you'd think now, yeah, at that 40 year mark, you'd think she would try to move on, have a life she's got a kid she's got a grandchild you know she's trying to get her life back together and then michael's out then she goes into lockdown mode ready for him that would have been the way to do it instead of it's the wrong way around yeah. where the moment that she knows michael's out there and after michael had killed her daughter mm -hmm. she's like oh, i'm moving on now i'm gonna write a book and uh, get I'm, on with my life yeah i'm gonna stay in <laughs> i'm gonna stay in haddonfield it's like why and write a book like the it, it just lessens the impact of the ending of the last movie so much where she's just like she gets out of the hospital bed she's got the knife and she's going i uh, remember there were two endings well yeah so depending on which one we're following ah so it just feels like, I mean, we see some newspaper clippings. They burnt down the Michael Myers oh, house. It's been demolished. So demolished. Michael can't go home anymore because we found out that was all he wanted in the last two movies was to go home. And then they window. burnt it down. So I'm like, oh, you're going to piss him off. Mm. Oh, well, we might find out whether they do piss him off or not, like 40 minutes from now. <laughs> because now we follow Laurie and Alison and their relationship and how it's changed. And we find out that Alison is, you know, being victimized at work. Has it changed? Like, she still cares for Alison. Yeah. You know, and she's still taking care of Alison. And Alison's now a nurse at the hospital, but being put down by her doctor boss because he wants to sleep with her friend Deb who's the, one of the most annoying characters ever constructed apologies to the actress for what she was trying to do with the character but yeah you failed massively um but it's like it's like that part where she's like here's your parents wedding rings you can hang them around your neck I'm like trauma so you've just given her the, the uh, a reminder that her parents are dead killed by a mass murderer who happens to live in this town that you are still living in yeah. Why? Why? I, I, I was, I, I meant to look it up, but maybe you can help me because we've been through this a lot, right? So we've been through this a lot. Who is Laurie's partner for her daughter? It was not mentioned, not involved. Not mentioned once, right? Not in all three movies. I, I did struggle to find, uh, realise, like, how did she have a family while she was going through <laughs> right. mental trauma, house lockdown, nobody trusts her, likes her. I don't I, know where the family came from. Right, exactly. I sat in this movie and I, it dawned on me. I went, hang on a minute. I've gone through three of these movies. You've not mentioned the dad once. She, you know, I don't even think Laurie even wears a wedding ring. Like, you see a close-up of her hand with a ring on her right hand. But, like, when you're married, you have it on your other hand. So, I'm like, who? Who is this man that was supposedly... You know, helped her. Like, maybe it was artificial insemination. Maybe she was so traumatic, she was like, I'll get a kid. I can't handle cats or dogs. I'll just get a kid and I can train the kid to kill Michael if Michael ever decides to come back. And the whole Alison relationship, like, I, I, like, I liked Andy uh, Matichak, um acting in the first one. She was great. She, she was the new Laurie being chased. But she wasn't really being chased. It just happened that her path just kept coinciding with Michael's. Um, and then in the second one, she was really underused, you know, but she was stuck with more guns. Here, here are more guns because it's COVID, so we have to use more guns and violence and stuff. And now this one, it's like she's a hollow shell of her former self. 
like the actress was just there reading her lines and doing the best with the scenes that she had, but she knew that she wasn't the main character anymore. The spotlight had been moved on to Corey and Laurie, and that was our focus. And I'm now, like, I, I felt more like the focus was on her and Corey. You know, only because Corey was there. It's, well, yeah. Corey shouldn't be in it. Corey should not be in it at all. At, at all. The, you know, if you were trying to establish him, you should have established him in the first movie. Yeah, I so, agree. So that we followed his character so development. It actually felt like a trilogy. I honestly believe that if the Corey storyline in her romance, like, remove her shitty boyfriend character and had these two characters move through the trilogy, this would have felt really cohesive mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have felt disjointed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we're here for Laurie and her family versus Michael. Like, this is what the advertising promised. This is the final, 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 final ever final halloween movie so this is this is what you would do but they go no let's let's remake christine you know <laughs> yeah let, let's this out. Let, let's have Corey cunningham shares Corey. the name yeah let's put him in the black rimmed glasses same yeah let's dress him the same let's put him to work in the same kind of place yeah. let's let's have him be bullied let's have his glasses get broken his overbearing you know, mother the overbearing mother it's literally the arnie character and we know what happens to arnie he ends up touching evil and becoming evil himself and it's a transformation and well this film is kind of a bit of a metaphor for transformation and we get that right at the beginning when the kid is wearing a werewolf costume there's a scene later on between Corey and Allison where she's holding her hands out and they go up to the moon which is a oh, symbol of yeah. you know, transformation you know with they, they in the film they talk about infection versus uh, inherent evil and all of that stuff and so we're gonna watch Corey go through a transformation but to begin with they're going to make him sympathetic just like in Christine where you care about this nerdy kid who is bullied and who doesn't fight back and the extent of his anger yes. is squeezing the glass but in the, his hand but the difference between this established character and and Artie in Christine is that Artie was manipulated by Christine yeah. He fell in love with her, but Christine's evil. Christine is evil. She enveloped him, and so he couldn't give up on her, even if he tried, because she had her claws in him. Michael Myers doesn't have that. Corey isn't that. Cor the movie is 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 not telling us exactly what it wants to tell us. It, it gives us this question, like, oh, do you are, are you born evil? Or, or do you develop evil over time? Well, you do. You, you develop evil over time, don't you? Establishing the environment that you live in and the world that you were brought up in. No but, baby actually climbs out of the womb with a knife in its hand and a gun wanting to kill because it doesn't understand. But that is Michael Myers, though. Michael Myers is a fictional character that they are trying to put into a real world situation and that's why it doesn't work because but they've attempted to do it many times He before. is born evil. Was he? He yeah. only killed his sister when he got to eight. Yeah. We, he wasn't able to achieve any evil goals right. pre eight. <laughs> but I remember, I remember if we go back to like Halloween Resurrection, the opening to Halloween Resurrection is actually really quite cool because you actually see pre before his, before he, kills his sister hmm. that michael was gradually growing evil same in rob zombies the, the kid in rob well, zombies no, that was nurture Halloween. that was that was the 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 right the family Prod unit. product of his environment exactly what i said Corey, yeah, so there's two differences there's Cor two main differences. Corey, Corey 
isn't that. He's already showed that he's absolutely inept in situations with people and he honestly just keeps getting more and more inept as the movie goes on until he decides that now he just wants to kill people. Because he, he, he goes to the store, doesn't he? He goes to the store and the store manager just goes, you're going to buy something? And I'm like, Jesus, Corey, just move away. His stepdad is really caring. His stepdad is trying to do his best by it, which which I I, I really kind of liked the stepdad character because he's I'm the, like uh, he is one of the best characters in the film. Yeah, because he's the only one who doesn't do anything horrible to anybody. No, he he, he doesn't. He's 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 really just there, and he's and I'm like, how long has he lived with Corey for? How long is like. Like, if you're a stepdad and he's been with Corey, say, a couple of years, they should have at least built up a budding relationship that Corey should have at least felt something for somebody to not push him that way. But the movie is constantly trying to push us that, oh, Corey, is he evil? Is he going to become evil? Oh, well, let's just keep pushing him. Let's take him to the store and let's get four little shitty school kids to you know, bully him so Laurie has to save him. He should have nutted one of those kids. No, because we're setting him up right now to be the victim. You know? No, we're not. Yes, we're, we are. We're, no, <laughs> we're pushing him to make his evil come out because everybody yeah. he interacts with is shitty to him, right? Yeah, yeah. So it pushes him and pushes him. If he was going to be the innocent victim in it all, he shouldn't have been so douchey. And what I mean by douchey is that when Laurie, Laurie picks him up at this point because he cuts his hand on some glass and she goes, I know somebody who can help with that who needs to get out of the house because... We'd already established that Alison had had some crappy relationship with some shitty... Uh, cop between sh movies. Cop, yeah. yeah. Officer Doug, who is just a sleazy... You know, the movie, once again, is like, look, he's a bad guy, so we're wanting to make you feel for Corey. And I'm like, I, I, I honestly I honestly don't. I, I, I don't. I don't want to because, you know, everything is forcing me to feel something for him, and I have to have it happen naturally and that may be my problem it's not happening naturally she takes him to Alison they share this little look and it's like oh my god I'm in love with you yes I'm in love with you too we have so much in common yes they knock all the surgical equipment everywhere and a flummox because he says oh, yeah she's cute isn't she yeah it's like oh no cute isn't she I don't know that's it and so now it's establishing that Alison and Corey are going to have this relationship. And she says to him, look, I was going to go to this uh, fancy dress party. Do you want to come to this fancy dress party? I wasn't going to go on my own. Yeah, okay then. So he goes. The two of them go to this fancy dress party. She's dressed as a cat. He's dressed as a scarecrow. And they're having a good time up until the point where Corey goes to the bar. Now... Corey already has said that he doesn't like going out in places because the town of Haddonfield hates him. So why he would go to a public bar with his new girlfriend just to think that anything else is different, I don't know. Oh wait, movie language. We just need to put him in well, here because we're trying to establish him with him again as the victim. Well, it's because he can wear a mask, you know? He can blend in. He can hide in the crowd. Yeah, the same kind of looking mask that they had in Halloween 1 or Halloween Rob Zombie just to make him look, you know, because he's a scarecrow, isn't he? Yeah, you've got no brain that's what it is Corey and then he walks up to the bar to get a drink while Alison is having a dance or she's chatting to somebody and it just so happens that Jeremy's mum's there the mum from the beginning she's so heartbroken after the death of her son that it seems like all she's done for the last four years is wallow in self-pity and drink herself into shame and now she sees the the killer where it's already been established that it was an accident I know I understand that she would have had 
hatred towards Corey for killing her son Jeremy. But, like I said, movie language again, it's like we need Corey to be the innocent victim in this. So she is going to have a verbal confrontation with him in the middle of the bar and give him grief for going out and having a good time. Oh, I'm sorry, what are you doing? You're standing in a bar drinking yourself into a stupor. It, it doesn't look like a good time, though, No, does it? it doesn't. <laughs> and it's not even like the bar, the, the, the girl behind the bar, what's her name, uh, from, from Halloween Kills. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't attempt to even stop this woman from saying all this stuff. She doesn't even attempt to pre-warn Alison or Corey. Well, maybe because she didn't see the mask, but she should have known that Alison was wearing the cat mask, right? Because they'd already had that little conversation in the home with, with, with Laurie uh, about meeting Corey. And it's when they go outside, Corey's just like, I hate you, Alison. Oh my God, I hate you so much for bringing me to this place. Why did you think I was going to be your project? I'm like, that's nothing. She honestly, she's the innocent in all of this. You're hating on her for her trying to be nice to you and yeah. take you somewhere I nice. I felt really bad for her here because she's really trying to get him out of this rut. Exactly. She's sympathetic towards exactly. him. Exactly. And so by exactly. definition, she's kind of leading the audience to feel the same way as her, which it, it, it for me, it bonded me to these two characters. Like, you know, I kind of feel for both of them. They're both having a real rough time of it. So I kind of want them to help each other get out of it. He's I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can't... This is a Halloween movie, isn't it? I keep forgetting that. Every person who's attempting to help Corey, he keeps shunning. Well, yeah. yeah. And, and I understand that. Because he I... doesn't feel like he deserves to have their help. Oh, because he still man. feels guilty over what then he that's, did. Then that's selfish. That's but... selfish on his part that after four years, he's unwilling on letting it go. Yeah. Like yeah, I he said, he's, he, he's struggling. He's, he, He's struggling because that's how the movie wrote him. Well, it's also because that's he gets reminded of the, it the by actor, the entire the, town every day. The actor is not doing anything emotingly well in his acting to make me feel for his character anymore. In fact, it's doing the opposite. The more he acts in a negative, douchey way, the more I'm like, he's going to turn into a killer. The movie language is telling me that the more he is being pushed, the more he's going to tap into the evil inside him. But as the movie's already tried to say, it's like, was the evil in him already? Or has it grown? Well, we know that there's there's two sides in people, isn't there? There's the black, the black side and the white side, the yin and yang, the two wolves, whatever you want to say. So he is feeding his own one. He is taking all of the anger and all of the hatred that the people of Haddonfield supposedly have for him after using him as a scapegoat because Michael killed all those people in Halloween Kills, that he's allowing that to build up. And it gets to this bridge situation, doesn't it? The bullies catch up with him the, again. The bullies catch up to him because he stabbed their tire, you know, um, because Laurie gave him the knife. Oh, you do that. And so that makes his situation even worse. He gets to this bridge and the kids are like, oh yeah, we're going to fight you and stuff like that. And he tries... He does, I'll give him, give the actor credit, he does try to do the walk away scenario, but it's not working, okay? There's only so far a person can be pushed. And if I'd been in Corey's situation at that point, I'd have just beaten the crap out of those two guys and let the girl, because even one of the girls is like, leave him alone. Yeah. So she even wants her friends to stop. And I'm like, well, I care more for her now. Because Corey's not doing anything. He, he gets pushed over, they step on his glasses, and he gets pushed off the bridge. And he hits the floor, and they're all like, oh, you killed him. And the, the, the bully's just like, oh, I didn't kill him. Uh, he fell, you know, and that's my story. And so you're like, once again, film language. Oh, I hate these characters. I hope they die at some point in the movie. Yep. Uh, we're now 40, or coming up to 40 minutes into the movie at this point, right? 40 minutes, and the only time we've ever seen Michael Myers is in flashbacks. 
from Halloween 1, 1978, and Halloween and Halloween Kills. So, I, I, at this point, I'm like, I, I honestly wanted to give up the first time I wanted to watch it, but I forced myself through it. And so this time for the review, I knew what was coming, and I just... I, I'm ready to go, but, like, if you've got anything to say, I'd say it now <laughs> before I go. Well, I mean, it's... <clears throat> trigger warning. Trigger warning. <laughs> trigger warning. Michael Myers is in the sewer and he's been there since the events of the previous film. And we find out when he reaches out and grabs Corey, who he had already pulled through the, the sewer and then left him there, and then grabs him. And then they have a staring contest. But the film flashes all of this imagery of the events at the beginning of the movie. Like if we only saw it like half an hour ago mm. I didn't forget movie like that's what the whole film's been about yeah but now it seems like Michael now is aware because he can sense the evil that may or may not be in Corey maybe I don't know I'm grasping here because I don't really know what's going on no but Corey manages to free himself from Michael and get out of the sewer and well the next morning the homeless man's like how how did you get out of the sewer how did he let you live how how did he let you live and I'm like well, wait a minute wait a minute so homeless man knows that Michael Myers is in there and that Michael Myers has, you know, been wanted for like several years now. Yeah. He's an escaped lunatic who killed a bunch of people. And oh, oh, you've just killed the homeless man. Oh, so Corey's body count continues here. That wasn't really that much self-defense. He probably could have pushed him up. But then again, we just saw him get bullied by kids half he, his size. That's it. He, so, pulled, he pulled a knife on those kids as well. And I think it's the same knife that he kills the homeless man with. Right, yeah. So I think it's the one that Laurie gave him. There was Laurie gave him, yeah. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. And so now, now things start to get darker. Four fucking years. Four years Michael Myers has sat in a fucking sewer. Well, the police officers... That came after the massacre of Halloween Kills. I'm, I mean, I'm sure somebody would have at least called another department in another town to send more cops. Or the FBI might have come down. There might have been a SWAT team somewhere. They would have done an investigation. They would have scoured that entire town to find him. Are you telling me that Michael Myers just made his way into the sewer? Like, I get he stalks people. I get he can be invisible. But I also remember that in the in the last movie, two cops chased him into the house and walked him out in front of Dr. Loomis. So he's not that really hard to find. But he disappeared with all of his injuries. After all of these, he's got stabbed in the back. He got, he got shot. He got... Maybe that's why he's and... taken so long to regenerate this time around because he kind of abused his power. <laughs> But we were told he was transcending, Gary. Killing yeah. all of those people at the end of Halloween Kills would have made him something more than evil. It would have made him something which all of us have inside. What was it that Laurie said? Like evil, you know, it grows and it festers and it transcends and it turns you into something else. And that is completely lost in this movie. Because like we said, he literally grabs Corey, but he's so weak. So why did you drag him in the pipe in the first place? What, were you going to eat him? How have you established yourself with food for the last four years? Have you eaten rats, dogs, other homeless people? Nobody's actually mentioned it, but there's, there's that huge sign next to the car as well uh, when they're on the bridge about some girl that's missing since last Halloween. The cops are so inept. Every murder comes out, people go, is that Michael Myers? No, he doesn't use guns. He doesn't hang people from the side of their house. But we won't properly investigate any of the murders or properly because, well, we're, we're dumb, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, so hold on a minute. So, all right, let's, let's say, let's say on a whim, 
I go with the fact that Michael Myers can rejuvenate. We are ignoring the other sequels, if you remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we're not... So he, so He's still a 65-year-old man. So he didn't rejuvenate from the fire in Halloween 2. No. Nope. He didn't survive the dynamite and get taken care of by that guy in the bottom of the well a he, year after the other Halloween movie. He didn't grow his fingers back. He didn't grow his fingers back. He didn't switch head, uh, masks with somebody else and get that person's head cut off so he could run away. He honestly just walked from the group of people that he killed into the sewer and stayed there until Corey turned up. And now I get to the fucking psychic bit because I didn't even get to that bit yet. What the fuck is that shit? How? How? How can he sense that? How can he know that Corey's going through evil? I, I almost wanted to say, because this is the second time I've watched the movie. The first time I, I just thought it was psychic powers. The second time I was like, well, he's choking Corey. So Corey could be flashbacking his life. Could yeah. could be. But why that bit? Why not why not show Michael how overbearing his mother is? Or how horrible the teens are, or how terrible oh. his school life was, or maybe when his dad died, how long he was on alone with his mum before his stepdad came along. Why doesn't fucking Michael sense any of that shit? It probably does. But, you know, they don't have the footage of that, so... Uh... Film language, yeah. yeah. And so instead, he sees the flashback of the kid. Like, you know, it's almost like Michael would have gone, <laughs> that was good. Yeah. You know? Go and, and do some more. <laughs> yeah. And Corey leaves. And he, he, he drives over to Laurie's house, you know, on his new bike that his stepdad's given him. And he stands outside like Michael. I mean, it's quite a cool established shot with Jamie Lee Curtis yeah. 44 years later. Yeah, I thought that was Standing cool. by the window looking out. It was the thing that went, ooh, Halloween movie. I remember that. <laughs> but this is the part where Laurie starts to go, oh, I think there's evil in Corey. I saw it in his eyes. It was like looking into Michael's eyes. And then she ends up in the bar talking to, uh, I think she's talking to, to Will Patton, Frank, who's, you know, had nothing to do since the first movie either. Oh, they, meet up, they meet up in the store, don't they? That's right. Me, and he's yeah. learning Japanese. Yeah. And, uh, and she ends up talking to the dad of Jeremy from the beginning of the movie. And he's just like, yeah, you know, I saw Corey on the side of the road and I always knew he was a good kid. He was a sweet kid, good mannered, good intention. Uh, yeah, and we, thought, we trusted him with our and, son. And I was like, you know what? I've moved on. My wife hasn't, but I need to tell Corey that I forgive him. Like, I don't blame him. But then I saw his eyes and I fucking got out of there. Right! <laughs> so all of these people who have spent a lot of their time going, Corey's a good kid. He, it was an accident. It was a problem. Take one look at him after he saw Michael Myers and goes, well, no, he's evil. But I'm not going to warn anybody. I'm not going to call the police. Yeah. I'm not going to pull him over to the side. Because at the same it time... It happens so quickly. Like, something... A transition like that needs room to breathe. It needs to feel natural. Like, the progression. Like Arnie's slow descent yeah. into, if, you know, the... If in Halloween Kills, Corey had been killing with Michael along the way, that would have fully established it. Or if it had been revealed that he had already started then, but we weren't aware we of weren't it We weren't aware. Then, until yeah. Michael yeah. was out of action for so long, then Corey was feeding him bodies or energy or or evilness to you know, build yeah. him back up again the, because the when fear he, of Haddonfield yeah because he does end up leading Doug you know the the pest that's been harassing Allison since she dumped him Corey ends up leading Doug down into that sewer you mm. know he ends yeah. up like running off into the sewer laughing <laughs> And Doug's like, oh, I'm so angry and I'm so going to chase you down that sewer. It doesn't Beat matter you with where my you torch. are. Yeah. And then, well, 
Michael gets hold of him like, oh, here we go. Yeah. Finally, like, we're going to get to see some Michael slasher action. And uh, uh, Michael gets manhandled by him. So Corey has to step in and help. And they both have to... Well, Corey has to pin down the officer so that Michael can slash his throat and then start ritually stabbing him. And then after a few stabs, it's like Michael goes, oh, I remember this. This this feels good. Oh, and I'm going to I'm going to square up and then I'm going to stab him some more. I'm like, yes, I'm back. It's time for Halloween. Oh, wait, it is actually it's October 31st. Let's go. Such crap, because that's oh. like an hour. It's like an hour into this movie and the movie's only an hour and 50 minutes so now you're going to shoehorn in as much as you can of this story into the last 50 minutes to try and at least get some you know comeuppance for the audience to walk out of the cinema going yeah i yes. really enjoyed that yes because we've got the horrible doctor and his sleazy nurse now i mean nope, no nope, 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 i'm not letting you jump too far ahead man because you're establishing that this movie is is actually good just by the kills. No, 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 no. What? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Let's look at some of the bad script writing that they good. So Laurie comes out of the store at one point as well after speaking to Deputy Hawkins and she's confronted by a, a lady who's the sister of the, the, the wife, the coloured wife from Halloween Kills who was stabbed in the neck and had to watch her husband get used like a knife pincushion by Michael Myers. And she's, she's you know, she's uh, stuck in a wheelchair. She Obviously, she's paralysed. And the, the, the sister just confronts Laurie you know and it's it's once again like i said film script language david gordon green trying to make us feel something for laurie that it's not laurie's fault and it's like i know this mr green i've watched these movies for all these years i know laurie didn't actually do anything but this woman's like you're the one who taunted michael you made him do this to my sister i'm like no she didn't because there's no relation if, if if they were going with the sister storyline of Laurie being Michael's sister, I'd get that. I, I'd understand that. You know, they'd be able to say, you're his family member and you're you're the reason why he's coming keeps coming back. You need to get out of here. You're the one killing us all. You know, that would have been great. But no, we already established that Michael wasn't after her in the first one. Yeah, he was going home. And he but wasn't even after her in the second I one. I have and no problem goes. with this scene because people do behave that way. You know, even the dad that she spoke to in the bar was just like, you know what? He was angry because other people were angry for him oh. and took his anger away and used it for themselves. No. And this scene just, just repeats that sentiment no. again. They... Where she's angry at Laurie because she thinks, the whole town thinks she's responsible for Michael being the way he is. They needed somebody to blame. And we've seen but that throughout they... these three movies they, they didn't they didn't that was the director trying to establish something that the people of Haddonfield are trying to blame these people for Michael but I'm pretty sure in Halloween Kills they brought it on themselves they yes didn't... they did right so <laughs> so so these people that are blaming them are just stupid mm -hmm. that's <laughs> well they're stupid because they don't know any better you say mm, no 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 they don't because they're two-dimensional characters they're not real people it's just here to throw more trauma on it's, laurie because she has a yeah, similar scene when yeah. she goes to see cory's mother and cory's mother's like well i don't want to be talking to you you're responsible for all the evil in town anyway and like laurie's like you know i can't be dealing with this and she yeah, leaves exactly. every time she can't face it she's not and, she's trying to move on and and that's not the laurie that we know it's not no no it's, it's this movie's laurie this is this movie's laurie <laughs> laurie would have been confrontational to the mother and going well maybe you're the reason why cory is actually acting up a little bit maybe i should tell you that this is why maybe michael myers is the way that he is that his mum and dad were too overbearing for him maybe his maybe michael myers mum kissed him fully on the lips because she didn't want him to move out like they're doing with Corey's mum being overbearing but 
Same with Corey. Corey spends all this time with Alison, and and I I know you said you liked it, and it, and, and I suppose it's okay that they're having this budding relationship love romance which you know is just going to end up in blood and fire because that's the way the movie's telling me but he sits there he sits there and talks to her and listens to Alison's you know soul being unburdened onto him about her, you know her mum and dad and the killings and the way she feels about living with Laurie and still staying in Haddonfield and he doesn't once think to go oh yeah by the way I'm hanging out with the guy that killed your parents no so how can I how can I honestly care for Corey I haven't cared for him leading up to this point and I'm certainly not going to care for him anymore because he is literally just constructing these scenarios of him just being a douche he even sleeps with Allison yeah he sleeps with Allison he goes back like, like after he killed Doug he goes back he sees Allison and she takes him upstairs and and Laurie's outside. And Laurie happens to see it. At this point, she he's already told Alison, like, hey, Alison, I killed someone. She's like, okay. Right! <laughs> right! <laughs> and we get that shot of Michael just happening to stand outside the house, seeing Laurie at the car. Yeah. And he just walks off. He goes back to the sewer. He doesn't wander around and go on a killing spree or anything. He just goes back to the sewer. Do we know that was Michael? Oh, yeah, no, it definitely was. Yeah, was yeah. <laughs> Who else is it going to be, dude? Standing around a tree looking at Laurie Strode in the dark. He goes back and, and oh, this is where it gets real bad, peeps. This is, this is where it gets real fucking bad. Because Michael heads all the way back to the sewers after this. We don't see this. We just assume he does because we don't see him now for a bit of a movie. Um, and Corey's realized to himself that he wants to become the new Michael Myers. So he heads down to the sewers um, and he gets the mask, doesn't he? he, he well, he's, he's been kicked out by his mum because his mum doesn't want him at the house anymore if he's not going to live with her. And so she kisses him on the lips. And he'd already showed Alison that he could break into the mansion. So he goes to the mansion and lies pretty much on the blood spot of where the kid died. Yeah, he likes to sleep there now. Yeah, cosy. <laughs> and Laurie, being the superior ninja that she is, she manages to sneak into the same house, sit in a chair, prime it up against the wall, and then just keep leaning on it until it makes this irritating knocking noise that wakes him up. Well, I mean, Laurie's not actually there. It's all, she, She's all in his head. She's not actually there. He wakes up and uh, he hears her in his head talking about the nature of evil. And he's questioning himself, like, what's going on? Yeah, where did you get that from? Where did you get the fact that she's not real? Well, the fact that she disappears when he gets up and he looks around and she's gone. <laughs> she wasn't actually there at all. It's all in his head. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yes, Ian. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm not buying that. You, you You're telling me that you, she's got a ninja in and out of the house. Man, I'll, I'll, I'll fucking take that. I'll take that more over than her just being a figment of Corey's imagination because of the way that Jamie Lee Curtis puts her Laurie across to him and basically tells him to stay away from Allison. Yeah. That's... Why, why would he, why would why would he in his own head? tell himself to stay away from Alison. Because that's exactly what... He's afraid he's going to hurt her. He doesn't want to involve her in his evil that's becoming. But at he, the same but, time, he's using Alison but, as the keeps, motivation to do the evil stuff because no, she wants to burn the stuff down. Well, yeah. Yeah, he keeps telling Alison that we should leave. And she's like, yeah, let's burn it all down. And we also need more of uh, Laurie in the movie. So uh, whether she's there as a phantom of his oh, imagination or not, it's, it's, we get more Laurie. It's such crap because she's like, you need to stay away. And he's like, you invited me in. I'm like, yeah, Laurie. You brought you brought Corey 
to Alison. Yeah. So again, it's all your fault. So it is so, all your fault. So it is all your fault about this relationship goes. But Corey, you know, decides that, yeah, like you said, he's going to become the new Michael. He's going to, you know. Well, he's now going to go. He faces Michael in the sewer. Oh. And and I'm like, so this is the this is the same Corey that got beaten up by two guys half his size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And now he's able to manhandle Michael Myers, who is also slightly regenerated from where he was at the beginning of this film. Yeah. But no, Corey's still able to, to beat him down, grab his mask and leave. I'm just a man. And I'm Look on the mask, my boy. Sorry, Michael. And it's n- not your day, is it? <laughs> no. And so, so he takes the mask and he puts it on, and then he decides to go on a bit of a killing spree. Well, he uh, he ends up marking up the 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 kid's car yeah. with Psycho, yeah, luring them to the junkyard. We see the pickup truck in the background. We're like, oh, that's gonna that's gonna come into effect in a yeah, minute. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we also cut away to the stepdad watching. I think it's Hard Target. Yeah, the Van yeah. Damme movie. Yeah, yeah. With all of his cats, and I'm like, can't like this guy even more. You know, it's great. Uh, but then we cut to the kids out there, and they're like, oh, we're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. You know, we're gonna tie a chain around his bike, and we're gonna we're gonna drag the bike until there's nothing left. He's like, hey, start the car. I start the car. Yeah. Oh, oh, you're dead. Oh, oh. no. Oh, no, he's dead. Everyone. Uh, everyone, he's killed a kid. <laughs> he's, he's killed a kid, yeah. And then the pickup truck starts. The kids scatter. One of them ends up trying to climb the fence. One goes over. Yeah. Pickup truck hits the girl. Yeah. She's still alive under there. The other girl tries to help her. She gets smacked in the head. When yeah. We see her body. Yeah. Then the other guy comes over and he gets a blowtorch to the face. Blowtorch to the face. Then the girl gets stomped on and then ridden over as he drives out. Oh my god, movie! It's like an hour and a half in, and I'm getting some brutal killings. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) the the, the stepdad had come outside to to try to help, and he got shot in the head. Skip it! (laughs) I wanted to pretend he didn't die. Because he gave the rifle to the bully, and the bully goes to shoot Michael or Corey, you know, because he doesn't know, and he just happens to hit the stepdad at the same time. He's the only character up until this point that I felt sorry to died, and he got killed by a shitty kid. Killed by a shitty kid. I mean, I. I want to apologise because obviously I interrupted you when we were talking about the nurse and the doctor death. Yeah, yeah. How, how great was that? Well, it was iconic in that Michael got to impale the lady through the wall with his knife like he did in the original movie. So, oh, oh, I got a, I got, I got a slice of Michael Myers doing his thing. It's, it's such crap because they've been building up this nurse, this nurse Debbie, as, as being Alison's friend. Who was always talking crap? I wouldn't to her. say friend. No, yet. no, because even Corey says I wouldn't get treated like that, and I'm like, you're one to talk, Corey. Jesus, and uh, it's the same with the doctor as well. Like Allison's been trying to get this really su- uh, supervisor position or something. She's been working real hard, but because the doctor's been secretly sleeping with Deb, you know, uh, she gets the position and stuff. <laughs> position. Mm-hmm. No All the positions. All the positions. Um, or oh, actually, none of them this night. <laughs> yeah, and. I mean, I, I forget what the doctor's last name is. I think it's like Waits or something. But the movie doesn't even really establish him as a character or his first name or stuff. So when Deb and the doctor go back to his house to have sex or whatever, or celebrate the promotion, he gets he, he gets killed off screen or he gets pulled off screen. And Deb is in the house because she hears a noise and she just starts calling to him. Dr. Mathis? Dr. 
but she doesn't call him by his first name. She just starts calling him by Dr. Whatever it is. Dr. Mathis? Dr. Mathis? I'm like, and she does it three times. Like, at least by the third time, you'd have called him by his first name. I know, maybe it's all part of their role play. You know? No, it's <laughs> all part of the fucking script writing. The, do the, the director and the script writer went, oh, nobody's going to really care about the doctor's first name because no. we're going to kill him off. So yeah. that's, But it's just so unnatural. It's so unnatural. If these two had, had been having a relationship for an incredibly long time, she'd have called him by his first name. If this is the first time that they would have ever had sex, the first time she'd have gone back to his house, she wouldn't have just kept calling him doctor. It just seems so absurd to the point where she walks outside. I mean, it was kind of cool where she goes to look. She sees the evidence of the destruction. You can see some kind of movement in the background. Mm -hmm. And you're like, what the hell is that? And when she flicks on the light, she turns and um, it's Corey in his scarecrow mask constantly stabbing the doctor in the neck with the bottle opener. And you're like, oh, well, he's dead. And she goes inside and Corey, the inept stupid idiot, runs up and gets his hand caught in the door and acts like he's hurt himself. Because obviously he's not Michael Myers. Michael Myers would have just rip that goddamn door off the patio in his heyday he would have or a movie ago he would have walked <laughs> through that glass like he was unstoppable but no Corey just stands outside looking like a douche deb gets her phone out like she's on she has her phone it's not hard to call 911 honestly and most mobile phones nowadays can do it without being unlocked so she'd have been on the phone to the police in seconds and instead she kind of just stands there looking at Corey like what's he doing and michael walks in from behind her Grabs her, picks her up, stabs her in the stomach and leaves her hanging on the wall. And so this is kind of like them two bonding. Obviously, like I said, this is pre before he's taken the mask off of yeah, Michael. Yeah. You know, but he's seeing himself in Michael and thinking, oh, I want to do that. And it's like, no, Corey, you're never, ever, ever, ever going to be able to do all this. Because like I said, the movie is just confusing me so much every time he goes back to Alison, you know. Either, either have him with her as the love interest and have Michael as the evil or have Corey as the evil yeah. and no relationship. Honestly, like <laughs> it kind of makes me laugh. It made me laugh throughout the entire movie. First time watching this where, you know, we've seen him riding around on his motorbike with Allison on his mm, back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And after he's done that killing with the doctor <laughs> and the nurse and you see him on the motorbike and he goes and picks up Allison, you can't help but imagine Michael. just Michael Myers sitting on 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 Corey's back of his bike, just holding on to him lovingly as they drive around Haddonfield, going on a murder spree. He because he goes to the murder United spree. Well, I mean, <laughs> the, the next the next victim that the, the well, next two Corey. victims they go to Corey goes to the radio station. Yeah, and we see the receptionist in there in the background getting murdered. Yeah, as uh, Willie continues to play his music. Yeah, um, and of course Willie had also said some nasty things to Corey earlier in the film. Well, Corey was trespassing. True, yeah, yeah. And, uh, I mean, the whole radio tower was kind of a symbol. It was always there in the other movies. And so he goes in there and he smacks his face into the turntable a couple of times. And then in a gory fashion, as his jaws ripped aside, he cuts his tongue, drops his head, and the tongue falls on the record. And it and it causes the track to, to loop or play badly across yeah. the radio, <laughs> which then we see Alison turning the radio off. It's just like, like that's, it's gross. And it's funny, and yeah, it but kind of took me out of the moment for a, for a moment there, but... It, it's not what I came to a Halloween movie for, because this part of the movie, it's trying to go... It's also trying to tell me that Michael Myers isn't the main guy. The mask. He's not, no. The mask and the boiler suit is the killer, and anybody can put it on. 
and be the shape yeah. and be evil and go on a killing spree. And I'm like, well, you just come, you've just you've literally just destroyed a 40 year franchise right but, there. <laughs> well, this is not the first movie to do it though. There's been like nine other movies that have done that to no, this no, franchise, and no, yeah, no, no, it still no, no, keeps no. going. No, no, the other nine movies. It was Michael Myers all the way through. There has not been one movie in the whole Halloween series involving Michael Myers where I'm just hasn't saying the mythology has not been in, integral at oh, all. Oh, anyway, yeah. no, and, so I, and, 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 and I get I get what you mean. What I what I mean with this one is that David Gordon Green wanted to establish Corey as the new evil and to have that evil where is always inside people. Mm -hmm. But in normal society, that really doesn't happen. People don't have to don a mask and a boiler suit to be evil. They literally just are. So Corey could have just been evil. Like we said, if he's the innocent victim in all of this, he could have utilized all of the shit that the town has dropped on him as the reason and the motive of why he went on it. I mean, Jesus Christ, the two guys from Scream were just going to use movies as their motive. It's not that hard. But instead, freaking Corey's like, no, I want to be the new Michael Myers. But you're not. You, you you are not because after he's after Corey has gone on a bit of a killing spree, he decides that now is the time to go and take out Laurie. Because he like like we said, we don't know if he was talking to Laurie or he He wasn't. I believe he was, but that's just bad movie making there if neither of us can come to terms of what it is. Um he goes and he, he goes to see her and he like why? Killing killing Laurie now? Is for what reason? If Alison catches because, you, because uh, to free her, to free Alison from her. But Alison isn't isn't held captive by her. We've already established that Alison stays in Haddonfield because of Laurie, because yeah. the two of them. But she also family. said, "No, burn it all down." You know, so she burnt. She said, "Corey's all... taking this to to the extreme." But not, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's taking and it... also follows He's... Michael Myers's mantra of wanting to kill Laurie Strode. So. Yes, but we'd already like, and it's also Halloween ends, so we kind of got to get to the that's, end. At that's some true. Point. That's true. We're on October thirty first, but that's the thing. The the movie had been advertised to us, and 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 what we don't learn from post production or pre production was that there was going to be this massive confrontation between Michael and Laurie. I mean, Jesus Christ, a lot of us believed it was going to be at the beginning of the movie mm. because that's how the end of the last movie was. And I would have, I would, I would have taken that. I would have taken Laurie and Michael fighting her injuring him and him falling into the sewers i would i would i would have gone with that you know and then maybe meeting up with Corey and, and doing all that shit. i don't I, I don't know i would have had to have written a bigger script like the way this movie does end with the you know with the uh, the metal mangler you know i would have had that in the first 15 minutes like literally have michael go in there in oh, the first 15 yeah. minutes yeah and then tell the story but, because that's what this film but, wants to do that's what this movie's wanting to do if you're <laughs> trying to establish that evil is in everybody and anybody can wear the mask and anybody could boil a suit you should just killed michael off at the beginning yeah but you knew you knew you you i see you david going green watching this video you knew that if the fucking audience had seen that at the beginning they would have just walked out so you held a carrot in front of their faces like a goddamn donkey hoping that they would find something in the movie to go oh well halloween ends was great and the movie goes on for an hour and 50 minutes. I mean, this is what, an hour and 30, 25 minutes, I suppose, hour, 25 minutes that he gets to Laurie's house. And Laurie, she's had her upset argument with with Alison. She's she's hearing about these horrible uh, things that are just happening around the town. So she's opting that because it's all of her fault, because that's how the movie's tried to make her 
feel like this, that she's going to commit suicide. So she calls the cops and she tells them that she, there's been a suicide at this address and she puts all her stuff down and she steps out of screen and we're kind of seeing like a first person view coming up the stairs. You know, obviously it's not Michael, so it's not brilliant. And, um, <laughs> and, um, you, you hear the gunshot and you hear this thing splat against the wall, which is blatantly not blood or brains. It's pumpkin juice. It's pumpkin <laughs> juice. And the door pushes open and Laurie's just like, you didn't think I'd really commit suicide, do you? Oh, got him. She shoots Corey twice and he falls over the balcony. <laughs> Karma, bitch. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he's lying on the floor. And why does she fire two shots into the wall? To empty the, the gun of bullets? I don't know. Why? She's she's a survivor of goddamn horror movies. He's he's, where, he's carrying the goddamn mask of the killer who's been killing most of the people in your town. You need all the goddamn ammo you need. Don't be wasting shots. But Corey's like, if I can't have her, nobody will. And he's meaning Alison because that's what he'd said to Laurie. If I can't have her, nobody will. And he stabs himself in the throat. Why? Yeah. Because then... How is that going to stop Alison from having any more relationships? Well, it's it's uh, it's not. But what it is going to do is absolutely divide Alison and Laurie forever. Because he knows Alison's coming up the driveway because he hears the rattling car. So he knows she's oh, about to come in. Oh God, that and fucking so muffler. He she stabs he stabs himself. And this is the this is the daft part. Is that Laurie goes, oh, I'm going to pull the knife out as Allison's coming in the doorway. And like, oh no, now I look like I just killed your boyfriend. Mm. Which who just I did, but he killed himself. Who's but I did shoot him. Who just happened to be wearing the same outfit as Michael Myers. And yeah. wear, carrying the mask well, She's not Michael seeing Myers. any of that. She's just seeing my, my grandma killed my boyfriend because she doesn't want me to leave town with him. So I'm angry. So now I'm going to leave town without him. Well, what's worse... What's worse? And this movie's just been going as it's been going on. She's there, and he, she's like, "Oh my god, he's dead!" Doesn't doesn't think to check for a pulse. Well, yeah, it's a horror movie, so you need to. She's a nurse. Yeah. She's a nurse. She doesn't think she could. She could have done anything. She could have been calling the ambulance, but she immediately, emotionally, written. I mean, by this. Third I mean, act of the movie, I felt like the people had just given up with the blood pool there, with the injuries. Like he should be dead. Right, he should be. He. King should be. And Alison goes, oh, I'm so upset. I'm going to get out of my car and drive away because you've killed or possibly seriously injured my boyfriend. And Michael, who obviously had sat up after after Corey had taken his mask, decides that he's going to come all the way because, you know, has he followed Corey to all the other deaths? Probably. He's probably just hunting just, for his mask. Does he just, walk, yeah, does he home in on the mask? Like, oh, it's at Laurie's. I'll just go there. He always seems to know where it is. He, he always just, seems to reclaim it. Yeah, is it the mask that wants to kill Laurie? <laughs> Like, is the mask evil? Yeah, I think so. Halloween 3, duh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Michael enters into the home and Laurie notices this. She notices the door open, so she's like, Michael's in the house. Yeah. <laughs> There's a breeze. Michael's in the house. Somebody left the window open. Michael's in the house. Somebody left the fridge open. Michael's in the house. Somebody left the lights on. Michael's in the house. Somebody left the fucking toilet seat up. Guess who's in the house? And they have this confrontation and oh, I suppose in its defence, it's what we've kind of always wanted to see ever since we watched some 78 you know the 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 fight between michael and laurie again we got it two movies ago yeah <laughs> and then the second one set up that we would yeah. have a fight again yeah, and I now know. we have the fight i know man. and it's and it takes place yet again in a kitchen i know it's not not really much range it's not really uh the epic 
confrontation that you would expect between these two icons of horror where they throw themselves around a kitchen a little it bit. Did, yeah, they it, try to put Laurie's hands down the it, down the, the draining thing. It did they, honestly feel like two old people fighting. It did, yeah. Well, no, they're, no, both, they're both in their late 60s. No so. offense to James, Jude, Courtney or Jamie Lee Curtis. It's just that the two of you are in your 60s trying to have a fight sequence. Mm-hmm. So they did a good enough job, I suppose. And I, again, it gets quite comical where she stabs him and impales him into the table and she chops the fridge on his leg. Yeah. And then she's like, yeah, I got you now. All the blood's seeping everywhere. She slices, slices his throat. throat. And he's still going. And yeah, he then oh. he pulls his hand free of the knife and grabs her and is choking yeah. her out. And I'm like, we and she's like, do it, do it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? It would be great if Michael and Laurie just died together. Like, just let them go out together. Like, just end it. Like, neither of them can come back now. But Allison comes back because she got the phone call from Detective Frank or ex-Detective Frank. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we got a f- suicide phone call. I'm like, did Laurie actually need to make an actual suicide call? Because she wasn't going to commit suicide. She just needed to pretend she, well, to she, make yeah. a suicide call so that the person in the house would think that she had. But it doesn't really matter. The information gets to Alison. language. She comes home and uh, she sees her grandmother being attacked by Michael. And she's like, no, no, not today. And she breaks Michael's arm. <laughs> That's it. He slightly pulls his hand out, doesn't he, from yeah. the blade. I mean, the fact that when he'd taken the mask from Corey, um, Corey had still been alive. And so Michael would have to break his neck. Yeah, that's right. So Michael gets his third kill of the movie yeah. <laughs> by killing Corey. And, and that's what I mean. Alison, the nurse... That we'd established throughout the movie, didn't bother to check to see if his pulse was low or anything before walking I, I, out. I know, maybe he did die, but the presence of Michael brought him back, just like how Michael Man, keeps coming I back. slap you like a... But they do. These killers, they, they take wounds that would not kill Co- them. Not Corey. But he's got Michael Powers. He said he spent so much time Michael with him. Powers? Are you yeah. seriously he fucking sits up feeding just me like that him. shit? Are you fucking... Oh, the movie's my. feeding us that. Like, I'm not. I'm just saying what I see. Yeah. What's and, happened. And what I see is David Gordon Green just trying to, to, to make things work and knowing that in reality none of these things will work. Because, yeah, they slice Michael's throat um, and he's kind of still alive. So then when Hawkins turns up with the cops, she's like, I've sliced his wrist. He's bled out. He's properly dead. And is you're he like, though? And is yeah, he? That, well, that's it. They're all kind of with the same look. Of, is he? Is he? What do we do? And the, and the cop from Halloween uh, Kills with the cowboy hat, he turns up and he's just like, is yeah. He like the town mayor, isn't he? I think. Is he the town mayor yeah, I think now? so, yeah. Is he? yeah. Well, well, fucking hat. Yeah. Where is he? Texas? I, I, it's I, Illinois for fuck's sake. Um, but they, they they decide now. To... Let's get the whole town of Haddonfield oh together in a microsecond. Everybody got a the convoy. Got, got the group text message like we finally got Michael. He's dead. We're going to dispose of the body. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter that this is completely illegal. It doesn't matter all these all these police would lose their jobs if they did something like this. Doesn't matter. But it's that... the whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. You know, the parents rallying together to if, just get rid of the killer. If, if we kill Michael now, it will completely dispense all of the evil and the curse of Michael on the town of Haddonfield because, like Gary said, Michael powers. And so that's what they do. They tie him to the top of their car. And they drive incredibly slowly through the town. It's like a funeral procession. It's like a funeral procession. <laughs> it drags on for a little while. And then they get to the well-established meat mangler. 
I, I do I do want to say there is one shot that I also really quite liked and uh, it, it was the way it held on Laurie holding Michael's hand as he bled out and died. I was just yeah. like, it was kind of nice that even though the two of them have been through all these movies, well, like three of them, but three, three. all these 13 movies to get to this point, uh, I was like, that 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 kind of had some impact. I, I felt that. It, 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 it felt more that that was for Jamie Lee Curtis than it was for the movie. Yeah. It was like Jamie Lee Curtis was like, I'm not coming back <laughs> so let's end it for reals and yeah they lower him up into the giant metal grinder and in he goes and uh, in about boring. four seconds he's no more yeah i i honestly wanted to see the remains pile i, I did yeah. <laughs> I, I needed like to a see finger it. still moving yeah. Yeah, just like christine <laughs> the fender just twitching but no no we cut back laurie's back at home then she finishes her book and mm. she's like evil you know, you can kill it, but somehow it will always change shape. It's like, oh. 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 Yeah, and thanks, uh, thanks for that, Lauren. And uh, it cuts, you know, we it, it, I, I like it. it. Again, it's very similar to the original Carpenter mm. movie where mm. it then cuts to just loads of empty bedroom, living room, house shots. Yeah. And it just goes, the house is empty now. It's quiet. But Michael's mask is right there. End the movie. Well, that's it. She'd already had that thing as well where she was going to go to Japan with Hawkins where she yeah, see the yeah. cherry blossom. Because Alison's now actually left home and she's going to go and have this late romance with Frank. Yeah. So, positive outcome? The movie's over. Yes, that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, um, you may have gone on a little bit. Mm. Would you like to uh, tell us any favourite scenes you might have? I have one actual real good favourite sequence in this movie and it's so absurd and stupid <laughs> and it's so Jamie Lee Curtis more than Laurie Strode and so badly written or constructed, I, I don't know, but it's where they're all they're all in the house. It, it's uh, Lindsay, it's Alison and it's Laurie and they're talking about facing grief and dealing with, you know, trauma and all that. And the camera just immediately locks onto Jamie Lee Curtis and she puts up both of her fingers and she talks about getting grief's face and rubbing your tits in it. <laughs> I, I fucking love Jamie Lee Curtis. So right. that, that was great. It was, <laughs> but it wasn't Laurie. No, it really wasn't. Was it? it was so out of character. It was so out of character. It was so out of place for a, a Halloween movie. I, I mean, the movie had already ruined it, like close-up shots with that stupid look on... Corey's face at the beginning so every time the camera focused properly on an actor looking into the camera at me I was like I oh, don't look at me don't look at me please. <laughs> I hate you I mean I thinking back there were a couple of visuals that looked quite cool you know like like you said the hand holding bit was quite cool because you get kind of the reflection in the blood that's right yeah yeah you know um, there's another reflective shot as well where you can kind of see Michael in some glass and mirrors I like that. I like the part where she pulled out the kitchen knife and kind of showed it to his face. And you kind of see Michael's reflection yeah, yeah. In, the, in the knife. Those things were cool. The rest of the movie can go suck a dick. Okay? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, like I said, I, I think uh, the film visually is very uh, arresting. It's very interesting. I like the shadows. I like the colors. I like the angles. Um, yeah, it's, uh, technically, I think the film is very well put together. But in terms of actual scenes, uh, I really, really like the opening. Like, because the first time you go into this film, you're expecting this to be the setup for Michael killing somebody. And so then the whole switcheroo that we watched Corey accidentally, accidentally, accidentally. kill this kid. Uh, I was like, okay, this is different. This is 
this is you know, not not expecting this. And so, but what you're then also not expecting is the film to go off in that direction <laughs> when it's the third movie in a trilogy, which the previous two movies have flowed over the course of like two days. Yeah, yeah. This film then jumps years, flashbacks, and it feels disjointed and unconnected to it. But mm. the opening scene, without the context of the rest of the movie, I think is very well done. It has the suspense, has the music, and it plays on your expectations. So it was it was good. But then the rest of the film doesn't feel like it was... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you mentioned you just mentioned it is your one favorite scene. It's very memorable because it's so weird. It's like mm. you know, you just got it's 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 her speech about just letting go, you know, because she's trying because clearly she has now, but Alison yet hasn't. So she's trying to get her to break free of her, you know, her of things that are holding her back, like yeah. she was for forty years. Yeah, which is just weird. Like we said, because it's it's the wrong way around. You know, you need to find someone that can let go. That makes you want to rip off your shirt and show grief your fucking tits and say, you know what? Let's go. Yeah, I think uh, my, my favorite kill in the film is the most simple one, really. And it's Nurse Deb being impaled on the wall by Michael. Like all the other killings are brutal and extreme and kind of what you'd expect from a modern slasher horror movie. You know, mm. blow tortures to the face and foot stomps and... You know, tongues being severed, but yeah. Michael, the simplicity yes. of the knife, yeah. stab up against the wall. Love that. Love that. It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and of course we have to, you know, it's it's kind of what we turned up to this movie for, was to see Laurie and Michael have the final confrontation. Yeah. Everything else around the movie was whatever it wanted to be. It was tried to be something different. Mm -hmm. It's not what we came for. But we got to see them have their final confrontation. It was a bit shit. Yeah. You know, like, of all the places, it was just in Laurie's kitchen that they had the final confrontation. It's like, this is the epic 13th movie. You know, yeah. it's all built to this. It so it was a bit bit lame. It would have been better if Laurie had gone to the, the, the construction yard to confront maybe Corey and realised that he was Michael and then fought him, beat him down. Michael turns up, takes the mask back, they fight and fight, and then she pushes him into the meat mangler. Yeah, she could push Michael into the mangler, and I still think Corey should have got away, evil got away, something, yeah. you know. She pushes like, him into the meat mangler, yeah, and he grabs. He's, he's just like, maybe the, while they're burying Michael, they come back to the house, and like, Corey's body's gone. You know, it's just not there anymore. Like, just like the boogeyman, you know, it's just gone. You know, that would have been epic, but nah, it's it's, it's fine. It, it ends. It ends. It actually ends. It ends. But uh, according to David Gordon Green and all the writers for this film, they went, yeah, this categorically is the very last Halloween movie that we're making at Blumhouse <laughs> Studios. The rights, of course, which they had ownership for, for a limited time have gone back to the previous rights owner, who also said, yeah, I want to make 22 of these movies before I'm done. So just give it a minute and we'll, I'll find somebody else to reboot it or tell another Halloween story. So don't worry. I mean, no one's ever really gone. Yeah, it can get worse. Oh, I can I can establish it can get worse. <laughs> well, Ian, do you recommend Halloween Ends? Fuck no! You can take this motherfucking movie and shove it up your motherfucking ass. I am a Michael Myers fan. I have enjoyed Halloween since I first watched John Carpenter's Halloween the very first time. And I will stand by and die on the fucking hill that Halloween 2 is a better sequel than any of the fucking sequels that we've got 
ever since Halloween. I know people like Halloween 2018 and that's for a new audience, but you just like with Halloween 1 in 1978, you just end there. Michael is in the basement on fire. You don't know if he's alive or dead. For me, Michael Myers died in the hospital of Haddonfield 1981. And every now and again, if I'm feeling like a, if I'm feeling loose and free and I've had a couple of beers or I just want to, you know, go mad, I might watch some cops with squeaky shoes walk around. I might watch a dad get his head smashed onto a bulb. I might watch Laurie get dropped from a fucking second story window after kissing Michael on the lips because they're brother and sister. I may even push myself to watch Roddy McDowell be a really fucking half-baked goddamn Dr. Loomis. But I cannot justify this movie and I haven't even bought this on DVD. I'm, I'm in two minds. It's like, do I buy this one and then buy all the others just because I'm an absolute imbecile? Or do I take my copy of Halloween Kills and just snap it in half and pretend it never happened? I, I, that's, how, that's how this trilogy makes me feel because it just burned me out of hate. Hate for people trying to take something so easy. Mike, Michael Myers was such an easily established character. John, John Carpenter did such a great job. And like Gary said, with the visuals in this film, anybody can take a camera and a really nice street and make it look haunting. But what you cannot make is people feel natural when the script writing isn't natural. You cannot make me feel for somebody when you are absolutely writing them as a douchebag to me because you want him to be a douchebag because you're setting him up as the new killer. While the old killer that I really came to see is sat in a sewer for four years doing fuck all. If you're a fan of this movie, I'm not going to hold it up against you. But if you're going to come at me wagging your finger telling me where you think the movie does right, I will beat you down with the logic that the movie decided to leave at the door when they decided to finish this trilogy. David Gordon Green, I don't believe, should ever direct another horror movie. He could produce and put money towards it, but he should never have the the the, the reins for it because he has an idea and then he goes, oh, I've got all these other great things that are going to make people want more and people shouldn't have more. Michael Myers is dead. Uh, no, I'm not going to recommend Halloween Ends. As this was a huge disappointment in ending this new trilogy of films. You know, the problem with this entry is the story. As it's a sequel to the previous events, you would expect certain character arcs and a thrilling conclusion. But it's very disjointed here, with the main plot centering on a new character who doesn't even survive to the final act of this film. It was an interesting story. It was well performed, with some great production value and some great cinematography in parts. But this was not the way to tell a final chapter of a 40-year-long running story. <laughs> Michael Myers is an icon within the horror genre, and this film treated him with a cameo appearance. You know, you had all the power removed so that Corey could take center stage in a tale about the nature of pure evil. Hardcore Halloween fans are clearly going to hate this entry. The final entry for now, and for valid reasons, as this was very underwhelming. It was <laughs> frustrating and rage-inducing. Oh, Yet, man. I appreciate the filmmakers trying something different. It's not just another tired retread of the previous Halloween movies. And if this wasn't Halloween, it may have been 
okay. Mm. Music by John and Cody Carpenter, along with Daniel Davis, was impactful, tense, and it helped create the atmosphere, and is probably the only aspect of the film that deserves repeat playing. <laughs> Evil meets its end. Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. Mm.